Well, again, I wanna thank you for watching our Easter online services. And this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look in the book of John in chapter number 11, and I want us to study together one of those I am statements that Jesus made during his ministry. And as I said before, these I am statements that Jesus gives us, each of them are communicating a different truth that wherever you or I are deficient, Jesus then supplies his own sufficiency to meet our needs. And as I think about the statement that Jesus makes in John chapter number 11, I think about how as mankind, we've exercised power and control over a lot of different things, right? But yet as much power and control that mankind has, there's really no way that we can prevent our own mortality or death. We found a way to control fire and use it to do so many productive things, yet we're still just as prone to fall fatal to things like car accidents. Nikola Tesla was able to find a way to channel electricity, but yet we still haven't found a cure to cancer. Mankind has found a way to stream movies and information and even the services this morning via the internet, and yet heart disease is still the number one killer in America. And yet even with all the progress in medical fields and different medical studies, mankind now is still ultimately powerless in the face of death. And that may sound like a really hopeless statement this morning, but honestly, what I want to do is from the book of John in chapter number 11, I want to give you some hope because Jesus in this chapter is going to allow his followers to come face to face with how powerless they are over death. And then what Jesus is going to do is he's going to show them that he himself can supply confidence, hope, and assurance even in the face of death. Jesus is going to allow his disciples to feel how incapable they are of preventing death in the life of their loved one, but then Jesus is going to speak hope and confidence and assurance into their lives and show them that how he himself is the resurrection and the life, and that even though we can't prevent our own death, through Jesus Christ, we can have the assurance and the confidence of eternal life. That's actually the context of John chapter number 11. And so I want you to look in the first few verses of John 11. I want us to see how the story begins because some of Jesus' closest followers and friends, Mary and Martha, realized that their brother Lazarus came down with a deathly illness. Look at verse number one. It says, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now look at verse number three. Therefore his sister sent unto him, that's Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And even in verse five, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And if you're not familiar with these characters, Mary and Martha would have probably been some of Jesus' closest followers and friends. We see them in other parts of the gospels, hosting dinner parties and um, hosting Jesus and his disciples into their own home. And very likely their house would have been kind of like a base camp for Jesus' ministry that they would have allowed him to stay there as he had an itinerant ministry. And so as Mary and Martha come face to face with the fact that their brother Lazarus is about to die, 
Very quickly, they send some messengers to find Jesus where he was in another town and tell him, Jesus, could you come quickly and take care of this situation? Because if you don't intervene, Lazarus is going to die. But for whatever reason, we read in the same chapter, in verse number six, that when Jesus, it says this in verse six, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And we'll get to the reason for that later, but we find as we progress through the story that Jesus eventually decides to take himself and his disciples and travel to go see Lazarus. And of course, Jesus already knew Lazarus had died. And so what happens is Jesus and his disciples show up to Lazarus's funeral four days late. Look at verse number 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. And so what happens is when Jesus arrives on the scene, he's greeted by Martha, Mary, and some other Jews that had come to the funeral. And what Jesus discovers is that each one of these people are hopelessly mourning over Lazarus's death. Look at the exchange with Martha in verse number 20. It says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Now look at verse 21, what Martha says to Jesus. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now look at his exchange with Mary in verse number 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Is this starting to sound a little bit familiar? Now look at verse number 36. There are other Jews that were gathered around for this funeral who were mourning over Lazarus's death. Now look at verse 36 and see what they say. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And then look at verse 37. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Here's the commonality between all of three of their responses, that each of them were willing to recognize that Jesus had some level of power. They understood Jesus could heal the sick. They understood that Jesus could raise a man who was paralyzed and allow him to walk on his feet. They understood that Jesus could turn water into wine. But when it came to death, when it came to a loved one dying in the face of an illness, they didn't think Jesus had the power to change it. But at the same time, not only did they not understand the the completeness of Jesus's power, the text indicates that all of them were mourning hopelessly. They thought it was too late. They thought that Jesus couldn't take care of it. They felt powerless in the face of death. And so here's Jesus, as we see in the text, on purpose, allowing this man Lazarus to die to bring his disciples to a point where he could teach them something. I want you to see where we find that text. Look at verse number four. When Jesus hears the news about Lazarus, it says this. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but look at why he's doing this. He says, but for the glory of God, that the son of man might be glorified thereby. Now look at verse 15. He talks to his disciples and explains why he's allowing Lazarus to die. He says in verse 15, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that ye may, and here's the next word, believe. Nevertheless, let us go 
on him. Do you understand what Jesus is doing in this passage? Jesus is allowing painful circumstances, hopeless circumstances into the lives of his followers because what Jesus is doing is he's going to use these painful circumstances and he's going to use them to draw people closer to him. He's going to use sickness and even death to say something to his disciples so that they would have a greater and a stronger faith and obedience in him. In church, would you agree that Jesus has a knack for taking what is hopeless and even painful and using it for God's glory and for your good? Can I remind you this morning that Jesus is using the less than ideal circumstances that you're facing and that I'm facing and that our church is facing and he's going to use all of those circumstances and he's going to use them for God's glory and for our good. He's going to use them to draw us closer to him and to have a stronger faith in him. Can I just tell you this morning that Jesus is working through this pandemic? No, I'm not saying that Jesus is okay with people getting sick and dying. I'm certainly not saying that. But can I just remind you that among all the circumstances that you're facing this morning in the midst of the circumstances that have been dealt to us, Jesus is wanting to draw you closer to him. Jesus is wanting to draw me closer to him. I can tell you, I can promise you that Jesus has drawn me closer to him this week. Jesus has forced me to be more dependent on him this week than I've probably ever been in my life. And could it be even that there are people who are watching this service online that God wants to use these circumstances and this pandemic and this Easter service to speak to you and to draw you closer to him because maybe like the followers in John chapter number 11, you believe in Jesus to a certain point, but Jesus wants to take your faith and he wants to strengthen it and he wants to draw you closer to him. We see that in John chapter number 11. We see that Jesus is using these hopeless circumstances where his disciples feel powerless over death and he wants to draw them closer to him and strengthen their faith. But he's not just trying to help them feel hopeless. No, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to bring them to this point of hopelessness to show them one thing. He's going to bring them to face to face with death and the circumstances in their life. And Jesus is going to use that not just to show them that they don't have power over death, but to prove to them that as the son of God, that Jesus himself has power over death. I want you to see this in his exchange with Martha. Look at verse number 22. Actually, verse 21, it says this, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And that sounds like a great statement of faith, but it's obvious that Martha's faith is weak in verse number 23. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And then Martha says in verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But I want you to see what Jesus is trying to communicate to Martha in verse number 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So here's Martha. She feels sorrow. She feels powerless. 
She feels like there's nothing she can do to prevent the death of her loved one or even the death of her own body. But what Martha doesn't realize is that while she is powerless over death, she is standing face to face with the person who has power over death. That while Martha can do nothing to stop her own mortality, Jesus is trying to speak to her and remind her that he is the resurrection and the life and that Martha didn't have to feel powerless or hopeless because Jesus himself had power over death. Here's what Jesus is saying, is that if you're willing to entrust Jesus with your life, he can save you from the power of death. That's what Jesus is trying to teach in this passage, that while all of us feel powerless, yea, even sometimes hopeless in the face of death, that if we will just trust Jesus with our life, Jesus can save us from the power of death and give us eternal life. But I love what Jesus says at the verse, end of verse 26. I want you to look at this question he says to her. He says, believest thou this? See, Jesus didn't just give Martha some doctrinal truth. Jesus points the question at her and asks her point blank, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life and that I can give you eternal life? And I think it'd be appropriate to ask you this morning, do you believe this? Maybe I could ask it this way. What are you trusting for your eternal life? What are you trusting that whatever happens and causes you to die sometime in the future, what is it that you're trusting in that will give you eternal life and get you to heaven when you die? Are you trusting in the one who is the resurrection and the life? Or are maybe you trusting in something else? And I'll just be real honest and be real straightforward with you that my number one concern is that there would be someone watching this service that they're trusting in something other than Jesus to get them to heaven. Can, can I have you notice that in John chapter number 11, Jesus didn't say to Martha, Martha, if you just abide by Jewish religion, then you can have the promise of eternal life. Jesus didn't tell Martha, hey, you can know that, that you're going to heaven when you die if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. He didn't even tell her that she could have eternal life if she took communion or got baptized or joined a church. You know why? because none of those things can give us eternal life. The only thing that can give us eternal life is the one who has power over death, and that person is Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, the Bible says it pretty clearly in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That verse five different times tells you, you can't earn your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do in your own power to have eternal life. You have to place your faith in Jesus if you hope to have eternal life and if you hope to escape the power of death. But why should you trust Jesus with your life? Why should you base your eternal destiny on Jesus and Jesus alone? Well, Jesus had an answer for that because as Jesus arrives at this funeral, he begins to realize that people don't believe in his power over death. In fact, we see in verse number 34, here's Jesus at this funeral. And he says something that would have probably been kind of normal at a funeral. He says this in verse 34, where have you laid him? 
So people who are standing around thought maybe Jesus wanted to see the gravesite. Sounds pretty normal for a funeral. But then it gets a little bit weird in verse 39 when Jesus commands them in verse 39, take ye away the stone. And Martha, who he just had this exchange with, it says in verse 39, the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. So here's Jesus, and he's saying, hey, I want you to roll the stone away from the grave. And I don't know what people thought his motive was for asking that, but here's Martha, and she's saying, Jesus, that's a little bit odd. I mean, Lazarus has been dead for four days. In Jewish custom, there was no hope that Lazarus would resuscitate, that his body it wouldn't, would have, wouldn't have been a fluke. He, he was definitely dead because it was four days later. And then I want you to see in verse 40, Jesus says unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? And then Jesus prays in verse 41. He says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And then in verse 43, here's what Jesus says. He says, Lazarus, come forth. What, what's Jesus doing here in John chapter number 11? Here's what he's doing. He's definitively proving that he's not just saying he has power over death. He is proving to the people that stood by that Jesus himself had power over death by physically raising a man from the dead. And so he commands Lazarus to walk out of the grave. And here's Lazarus. He walks out of the grave and uh, the custom in their day is hands would have been bound and he would have had a cloth over his face and he probably was tied around at the ankles. And so Lazarus comes out of the grave and then Jesus tells some poor soul in verse number 44 to untie his grave clothes. I certainly wouldn't have wanted that job. And here's Jesus and he raises a man from the dead. That's a pretty cool miracle, but I don't, don't want you to miss the point. Why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead so that nobody could question that he himself holds power over death and to reassure his followers that they could place their faith in him and yes, it's faith. There's no guarantee what's going to happen when you die, right? That's the reason it's faith. But because Jesus himself raised Lazarus from the dead, his followers could have the confidence that they could trust Jesus even with their eternity and with their lives. That's what Jesus' resurrection of the dead proves. It proves this, that the only way for you and I not to be subject to death's power is by placing our faith in and trust in Jesus. But that wasn't the only time that Jesus rose someone from the dead. On an Easter Sunday morning about 2,000 years ago, another lady named Mary Magdalene would walk up to the tomb three days after Jesus died and coming to see his dead body, hoping to prepare it with some ointment and spices, wondering, man, I wonder who's gonna roll away the stone so I could take care of my friend's body Mary was greeted herself with an empty tomb. And it wasn't that someone else raised Jesus from the dead. No, this time Jesus rose himself from the dead to prove once and for all that Jesus holds power over death and over life. And that as his followers, you and I could trust him with our lives. That if we're not sure what's going to happen when we die, that because Jesus himself raised himself from the grave, that you could have the confidence, the faith, 
and the trust that you could place your faith in Jesus and he would give you eternal life. So why should you trust Jesus with your life? Well, because Jesus has proven over and over again that he has power over death. Yeah, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but he won up that when he raised himself from the dead. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord, understanding your own powerlessness and inability to save yourself and ask Jesus to save you. Can I ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha? Do you believe this? Has there been a specific moment in your life where you've called upon Jesus and you've asked him to save you knowing that only he can? If not, what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer to ask Jesus to save you. Now, I want to make it very clear. My prayer doesn't save anybody. I'm a normal everyday guy like every guy watching this. But what I want you to do is pray with me. And again, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the faith and belief in your heart and what Jesus did, dying on the cross to pay for our sins and raising from the dead to prove his power over death in the grave. And if you mean this prayer with all of your heart, I believe what the Bible says, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why don't you pray with me? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that because of my sin, I can't save myself. I could never be good enough to earn my way to heaven. But I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins and rose from the grave to prove his power over death. As best as I know how, I call upon you and ask you to save me and give me eternal life. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you so much for watching our services. And I wanna ask you to do a quick and small favor. If this is your first time watching our services, or maybe you've been watching our services the last few weeks and you're new with us, we really wanna connect with you and be a spiritual help to you. And so there's gonna be a link in the chat thread or in the description of this video that you can click on that says connect with us. I want you to click on that link, fill out whatever information you're comfortable sharing and here's why. For every single person that fills out that form, our church is going to donate $10 per person to Grace Place Pregnancy Care Center. You can imagine that a nonprofit like that is really needy during these economical times. And so I wanna ask you to just take a brief moment to fill out that form. And if you accepted Jesus as your savior this morning, or maybe you still have some questions, but you really want to know for sure that you have eternal life, would you mind filling out that form? And there's a box that you can check that will allow us to follow up with you about that decision. Honestly, here's our motive. We want to help you. We want to equip you in your walk with the Lord. We want to help you become the strongest Christian you could possibly be. That's our mission as a church. And church, I want to thank you so much for watching. And I hope you're encouraged by the truth that Jesus has power over death itself and that we have no reason to fear because Jesus rose from the grave. 
I want to encourage you to tune into our services tonight at 6 p.m. Brother Tanner Walton, our youth pastor, is going to be giving us a devotion. I really think it'll be a help to you. And again, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for your faithfulness and have a blessed Easter Sunday.